Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I am Bill Price. And today is the second of the two-parter. Later in the episode, we'll be talking about Jamaica and Bill's thoughts about it. I can't wait to get to that. But before we get to that, let's start it off, as we always do, with what we've been playing lately. Yes. Um, now, quick caveat to the, the segment coming up. Um, Kaz does not know my thoughts. I don't. I, we, we, we played we played Jamaica <laughs> together, but I purposely, he said, let's talk about this on air, so he will be just as surprised as everyone else, I, yeah, one way or the other. Super excited and, and nervous. Yes, nervous and I'm about not it. Sure, I'm not sure he knows, he even has an idea of which don't. way I'm leaning. If I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'll start off. Um, we played, um, my wife Kirsten and I played with uh, my 15-year-old son Joey. We played a couple games of Cupcake Empire by Alley Cat Games. Nope, not by Alley Cat Games. <laughs> uh, Cupcake Empire is by Ludo Nova, uh, which I believe to be a Spanish company of some sort. Sounds very Spanish. Um, yes. So I follow them on Instagram and all their poster in Spanish, so I'm going to go with that. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, it's a game about building your cupcake empire. Uh, you are all owners of... Uh, cupcake companies and you live in a town that loves cupcakes so much that they have mandated by law that all of the people living there who are all meeples have to wear the colors of the cupcakes that they like so you have people with like vanilla pants and like strawberry shirts or like chocolate pants and chocolate shirts or chocolate pants and mint shirts um, so it's, and, and they're all laid out in this town. There's, uh, there's like five or six streets. Um, and then they go like three or four deep, I think four deep. And, um, so you lay the meeples out all, they're all dressed and their custom meeples really nice. And you lay them all out on this grid and you're basically building, uh, on each street, you're building, uh, little retail centers or bakeries, uh, bakeries help your production and your sales retail centers just help you sell. So uh, your your goal is to acquire cupcake tops and cupcake bottoms and sell them to the appropriate people on the street uh, via these retail outlets and, uh, and so on. It is an engine building game for sure. You do get stronger and stronger. It's the first to 70 points is the winner. And at first, first turn, you're getting maybe a point. Second turn, you're still probably getting a point, maybe two. So you're thinking, wow, this is going to take so long. Um, and But you build up, and so by turn four, maybe you're getting six points. Uh, turn five or six, you might be getting ten points in a round. So this goes super duper quick. And it's actually a complaint that I've seen uh, from other people on Instagram. Uh, I've seen it on uh, review videos. The one thing people say is that it's too fast. Uh, I would way rather a game like this be too fast than too slow. <sighs> sure. Uh, I'm not into playing a three-hour cupcake game. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, I, I think it's kind of, uh, playing with, with two players was uh, went goes really fast. Playing with three, a little less fast. Four, from what I understand, is even less fast. I haven't played it. But I think that uh, the more you play, people you play with the the more the game kind of equalizes um in that regard um this is a this is a cutesy fun cartoony game uh that looks like a kid's game but it is hiding a medium weight euro it is substantially heavier than it seems like it should be um which i personally loved and thought was great uh i can imagine parents buying this for a child who has no reckoning of how this <laughs> can possibly go. Uh, the main mechanism is this dice rolling and placement into different action columns. And uh, depending on how many dice you have in the column, like you roll a dice and there's a column for ones, for twos, for threes, for fours, for fives. 
Um, and you, you roll the dice and you place the dice after you take an action. You place them in whatever column the die roll is. Now, how far down you go on that column, so the number of dice you have in that column, determines how powerful an action you can take. There's actions like taking a cupcake top, taking a cupcake bottom, uh, selling a cupcake, building a center, building a bakery, um, those kinds of things. And it's uh, it's very reminds me a lot of, have you ever played um, Grand Austria Hotel? No. Okay, so if anyone's listening who's played Grand Austria Hotel, it's a very, very similar dice placement concept to that um but it's it can be a little tough right at first to get a grasp around it it took us probably about half a playthrough to really get comfortable with with the the mechanism there um but the second time we played uh the first time we kind of made a few mistakes the second time we played um i think we played pretty cleanly and my son actually won and uh he said it was the first time he'd ever beat me at a game (laughs) <laughs> which I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> he was so happy with himself. And, and I'm like, I must be the worst dad ever. Like I should have let him win some games or something. But, um, but then what would he have learned? Right. Exactly. So, um, would have this is, that moment. yeah, this is, this is a game. Um, it's, I, I definitely recommend it. It's a, it's a very cool game. Uh, I would not recommend playing it with, uh, newbie gamers. Uh, this is not a gateway, and um, it is it is substantially deeper than than you're thinking it will be. Uh, even when you get into it and you're looking at it, you're like, oh, this this the components. It looks like uh, kind of like a kids' game. It's totally not. So uh, I'm not sure how this is gonna sell. I, I'm glad they made it, uh, but it's it's kind of yeah. You don't expect it to be as as deep and as heavy a game as it is, but. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and hopefully we can play it on a game night soon or something, because I think you'd like it, too. Yeah, it looks really interesting. It does have that Candyland color scheme, for sure. It does, <laughs> but, yeah. There's, like, pastels and, like, yeah, it looks like, like, very bright. Yeah, it looks like you, the, the dice are, like, these these fun, like, um, pastel-y kind of pasty colors that you just, like, want to eat. They look like frosting dice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those tiny little cupcakes are... You want to pop them in your mouth as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Token or those placeholder so, things. The uh, the production value is fantastic. Uh, I I really really liked it. Um, everyone I've talked to online has really really liked it. So I haven't heard any complaints besides the fact that some people think it's a little too fast. Uh, you can play to a hundred or something like that if you want to. If you really want to get your engine going a little bit more than that, but uh, I feel like I feel like it's probably pretty comfortable where it's at. I'd I'd rather finish a game up and say man i wish i could play that game a little more versus finishing a game up saying god that took so long i'm never playing that game again (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure i think that's by far the side to err on is uh yes i was over too quickly as opposed to this will never end never which actually i have a a story about never ending (laughs) (laughs) which you probably know about um you might not have been there you weren't there um but you will be (laughs) Uh, in, in big, my story, yes. What? Play your cards right, buddy, or else so, you will be there. You will be there. So that's uh, that's Cupcake Empire. All right, nice. I don't have much to talk about. I uh, I had a miscommunication with my wife, and so I had to show up a little late, and because um, uh, we had a double booking of things for game on game night, and so I showed up a little late. But I did get, of course, Jamaica, which we will talk about um in a second but the only other thing i played was just archer love letter uh which is actually nice because i hadn't played it in such a long time i was sort of refreshing i was like i forgot how great this game is it is um, a great game and uh, by far i think the best version of love letter love all love letters are great but archer having that hidden identity card is just such a fun extra thing for it it just sort of makes it i don't know just a it's right on the theme for archer and also it's just sort of a fun additional element to have to just guess guess that card and a lot of times you're just guessing is out of the blue <laughs> and and if you guess it like you win even oh, if like four so players like yeah. you you win that round and you're like wow over um yeah so it, it does have that that element of of you know quick i i really enjoyed it. it's definitely my favorite of the the love letter games for sure yeah i own batman which i like because i like batman but also batman is hard to play with people who aren't really into comics because it's very comically like playing with uh, your parents they're like whoa these are very uh 
scantily clad characters, aren't they? <laughs> just my, especially my mom, who's very uh, prim and proper in some ways. And so uh, I would not play that with her. I probably wouldn't play Archie with her either. either now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably a good call. Mm. Although they don't look as lewd as they actually appear in the show. Yeah, so. it, the, the show is much worse. I mean, Pam is chugging a 40, um, but I don't think that's the worst, really, that's going on, because like, it's not like Cheryl's choking herself or something like that. Right, right, or it's not like Pam's <laughs> naked. Like she right. is, seems like she Most is Most of in, the time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time. So. Um, so I guess outside of that, we could just say it's uh, some sort of medicine she's drinking. Yes, <laughs> she's, trick my very she's really, mother. really loves medicine. <laughs> so. But that's all I played, and um, yeah, I am actually excited. I've got a couple uh, that I'm, I just picked up for real cheap that i'm excited to play um one of them is saboteur have we talked about saboteur before um i think we might have i think we mentioned it in passing but um we did it uh i think when we talked about it briefly was when we talked about like mechanisms in the history of things uh because saboteur i believe i could be wrong so anyone listening and they know better than i do tell me because i believe saboteur all right it's got an annoying cat right now um (laughs) We have, uh, I believe, Saboteur was the first game to the, that was broadly distributed that had the Saboteur mechanic in it. <laughs> so it's literally named that. And it's a little game about gnomes uh, mining, uh, making these little caves and mines to uh, extract gems, I think. I'm not exactly sure. But it's a quick card game. Um, and uh, I picked it up because it was on, it was like five bucks, and I decided to grab it. And I'm really curious to see where the beginning of that mechanism what it felt like and how well they did it. So I've got that and that's been sitting on my shelf and I'm excited to get that played. So look forward to that hopefully in the next week or two on the show. But right on. That is a preview. Well, I last thing I played last night, uh, I played uh, Dice Hospital again. I played it with Larry, two player. Oh, I'm good. Um, how'd Larry like it? I'm curious. He won. He really, really liked it. Yeah, I can see him really uh, liking it. He, he really, uh, it was so quiet. Um, that the other person that was in the room actually walked in and was like, hey, are you guys, are, does it need to be quiet? I'm like, no, no, it's fine. We're just thinking. So, because like it's like this super dead quiet that you're like, something bad's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were very serious over there. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, he, he really liked it. Uh, I The more I play it, the more I enjoy it. It's, it's such a uh, great game. It is. I really like the simultaneous actions. It uh, does not outstay its welcome. And uh, it's one of the few games that I, I feel like every time I play it, it's not, because uh, I'm very much, I like to play a game once. Sure. Or maybe twice. Right. Um, but after that, like, I'm into learning new games. And so when I, there's games that I can play kind of on a repetitive basis and I, they still really enjoy them, that's, uh, that's a big plus for me. So that's Dice Hospital. Nice. This one is by Alley Cat Games. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was in there somewhere. Yes. So uh, before we get into uh, Jamaica, because... Obviously, we have a lot to talk about as far as Jamaica goes, but we probably don't have like 40 minutes to talk yes. about uh, Jamaica. Uh, I want to talk about a thread that I saw on Reddit, and it's uh, it involves the uh, an organization called the Quadra- uh, Quantic Foundry, and uh, I think it's just like a game design company or something. I don't really know what it is, but... Um, maybe you could look at it while I'm talking. Look it up. Um, so th- they have what they're calling the board game motivation model. And the initial post was, this is these are the four different types of uh, kind of archetypes of gamers. Um, it, are you designing with all of them in mind? And I, I took a look at it, and my first impulse was kind of what everybody in the board game design reddit the tabletop game design reddit uh was saying which is uh i don't and i'll post this on uh, i'll post this on instagram so everybody can see it what i'm talking about but um <clears throat> and I'll, I'll go through it here as well but i think that uh the the big overriding thought from designers was that they purposely don't design with all four archetypes in mind uh, for reasons that I would kind of like to get into. Yeah. So these are, what are they? They're like 
kind of broad categories. There's four categories of specific like focuses of a game, or like you're you're right. going to be kind of prioritizing one of these in your game choice or something, right? Is that kind of the yeah? They're they're idea supposed to be kind of archetypes of what in, what player uh, what motivates certain types of game players. Um, and so we'll let, like for instance, the first one is conflict. Mm-hmm. So um, a conflict motivated player. Uh, enjoys hostile interactions, uh, high conflict mechanics. Um, it also, according to them, um, incorporates a lot of social manipulation like deception, bluffing, persuasion, negotiation. Um, and so I think this is where uh, what you design for with uh, straight up battle games, you know, like the 1v1 battle game. Magic the Gathering is probably squarely in this. Um, also, things like uh, just a lot of take that mechanics are probably appeal to the conflict gamer. Um, I kind of think of these people as the alpha gamers. Uh, if they do incorporate uh, play in co-op settings, which we'll get into another gamer type for that. But if they do, uh, these are the kind of gamers that I feel like try and influence, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, and there's nothing wrong with these kinds of, of gamers. There's a ton, ton of games that, that appeal to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ton of games out there that have hostile interactions, that have a lot of fighting, that have a lot of player v. player, a lot of take that, and they're very popular. So uh, I would certainly agree that that is, that is absolutely uh, a category worth, worth looking at. Um, but again, there's a lot of games that are designed very much not in that vein, uh, that purposely avoid interaction, that purposely avoid conflict mechanisms and take that. Yeah. So um, the uh, do you want to go over the second one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we name them all real quick and then backtrack? That sure. Because we have the main one. The main headings are conflict, immersion, strategy and social fun. And so those are distinct categories that they're saying you can kind of focus on specifically and that are separate from the others, which is interesting. I actually went to their website and there's another, so this is board game motivation model in this um, image, but there's another um, gamer motivation model, which is like seven categories or six categories. So I'm a little confused on which one they want to prioritize, but this is the one that they posted. So um, yeah, next one is, is immersion. And uh, so immersion is uh, elaborate, lower and characters, obviously, um, immersion in the uh immersed in this world and then the subcategory within that is aesthetics beautiful artwork and components that reflect the theme yeah so this is uh this is somebody who's motivated by uh theme and i i feel like escapism yeah they play games to just immerse themselves in this world and to just be a part of to just let all the mechanisms uh tie into the theme and just have them uh it's almost role player-esque um, yeah yeah it's very and, rpg-ish yeah and so i think a lot of uh rpgers probably fall into this category but this could also be you know like a, a somebody who plays scythe or you know another super thematic game where you just kind of want to escape your purpose for playing games uh in this model i feel like is uh just to really enjoy the the artwork and the the theme and just sort of let it all wash over you and uh when we talk about games that are like man this is a really relaxing game like that's a game that's designed for an immersion motivated yeah uh player i feel like so um that is the second category the the third category is strategy so it's thinking, planning, skill-based. Uh, they like complex rules. These are your Euro game players. Um, subcategories there are systems discovery. They like to learn new and innovative game systems and mechanisms. Uh, there's also a subcategory here of need to win. So it's, uh, it's just winning and trouncing other players. I have a little issue with this entirely being under the strategy player. Um, I don't feel like historically i don't feel like um people who are big strategy players in have this need to trounce other players i feel like they have the need to be as efficient as possible in their 
engine or their strategy or what have you. And I feel like it's more of a need to win the game than it is the need to beat other players. Sure. I feel like the need to beat other players comes in the conflict category. I feel like those are the people who, who pursue these, the hostile interactions in order to win them. Um, but the, uh, the strategy players are Euro game players or, uh, abstract game players. They don't, seem to usually care as nearly as much about theme or aesthetics. Uh, they care about raw choices. Do I have, uh, what can I do uh, to, to further my strategy? What kind of options? What kind of paths to victory are there? How do I incorporate the mechanisms appropriately? How can I be the most efficient? Um, and that's, uh, I, I feel like strategy players probably tend to shy away from a lot of luck or random components um these are not pressure luck players right right yeah so uh that's that's the strategy and then uh the fourth one all right last one is a uh, social fun which is for some reason represented by a medieval carriage <laughs> because you know because i guess that's maybe they're the taking, height of fun <laughs> they're taking you to the ball yeah oh there we go can, that would make sense oh that interact. makes that makes sense or, yeah I, I guess i don't you're gonna don't schmooze know. it up at the uh the big ball at the castle uh from your carriage um but yeah social fun obviously lighthearted fun uh laughter chat social interaction and then subheadings under here are cooperation being on a team, working on a common goal, chance, card drawing, dice rolling, luck mechanisms, uh, and accessibility. Game is easy to learn and accessible to newcomers. Um, so, yeah, obviously, it's pretty self-explanatory. I think that what's interesting about all of these categories is there's so much crossover here that it's not like you can design a game and ignore any of the other ones. Like, you can't just have a social game that has no elements of the other three maybe to varying degrees, but it seems to me, I'm not exactly sure what this model is trying to clarify. It's just like, these are things to consider. Like, do, could you accidentally design a fully immersed game with no conflict strategy or player interaction and be like, darn it, I, I forgot to put those in. <laughs> That's just a painting. <laughs> right, exactly, yes. <laughs> I keep making these paintings and calling them games. I don't understand. People buy them and they look at them and they, they really enjoy them. It makes them feel good. But... but Get, I get yeah. really bad scores on board yeah, game games. Yeah, really bad reviews. <laughs> yeah, nobody seems to be into this quote game that that I've I've. Um, I some some of these I I agree with that. I think that you can um, design without conflict. I think you can design a sure. game where there's a ton of games out there that are. Um, like solid, basically multiplayer solitaire games where you have no influence over yeah. anyone else. There's no conflict. Although I think you still incorporate some hostile interactions because there probably is something you're doing where you <laughs> are. Because even Euros, the conflict's not, it's usually in the marketplace, obviously. It's like right. resource conflict, but it's or not. Or it could be you exploring and bam, you find a monster. Oh, sure. It's yeah, still that's conflict. Yeah. Maybe you're not fighting another player per se. Um, but uh, this last category to me is the most fascinating one because there's so much in it. Um, right. Because this, this is uh, the party gamers. This uh, is also co-op gamers uh, who could be like legit heavier gamers uh, but really like co-op games and the co-op model um, because they like the, the social interaction. Um, obviously, we said party games. Uh, these are the people that like card drawing and lots of dice rolling and you know lots of pressure luck these are uh those kind of people so you could look at like gamblers tend to probably fall into the social fun category it's also with the accessibility uh these are new gamers mm -hmm. these are uh these are gateway people so uh there's there's just a gigantic lump of people in this category in general i feel like this category could be broken out oh sure yeah uh more so because not every party gamer likes a lot of dice rolling or card drawing. Um, not every co-op gamer really, you know, is necessarily brand new to the hobby. 
You know, right, they right. may have been playing Pandemic for years and are really, really good at <laughs> right. it and could probably play any game, but they choose purposely to go with games that have more of this interaction. But they're not newbie gamers and they're not party gamers. Right, right. So I, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of conflict in that particular category. Um, but I, I feel like when you're designing, uh, at least when I'm designing, uh, I don't think I think you have to pick one of these to like focus on to 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 make your core audience because I think that if you have say uh, a strategy game you know that's really thinking and really skill based and very little in the the way of dice rolling or chance or luck that's heavy in in the strategy category Um, a lot of those because that's such a euro game heavy category a lot of them purposely do not have any uh, much in the way of conflict or in the way of, you know, deception or negotiation or bluffing or any of those kinds of things that really mm-hmm. drive, you know, take that mechanics don't really tend to exist much in a lot of Euro games because that's, that's not what appeals to that strategy player. Sure. So I feel like if you think, okay, well I have the strategy game. Oh, I have to put in some conflict in order to appeal to a conflict player. All of a sudden I'm alienating my core audience and it may be so strategic that the conflict player doesn't care much for it either because there's all these other things that don't involve trouncing other players so now you're alienating both of them so you've (laughs) you've managed to create a game (laughs) that no one will like (laughs) yeah yeah so and and i think that there the games out there don't don't do this on purpose like at, I, I'm with you that you can't you can't have like a strategy game with no aesthetics, no immersion right, at yeah, all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even even a, a just a raw abstract game still has aesthetics. Mm-hmm. You know, it still has a grid or you know black and white pieces or what have you. That's still an aesthetic. It's still a theme to an extent. Yeah, but what you're saying about you've got to kind of prioritize what game you're interested in designing is it more lighthearted and then the other ones are an afterthought they're probably there to varying degrees but but what kind of i think i don't know i guess the the, what this seems to me is more of like a a breakdown of how a game feels to play do you want to be heady really heady game like sulkin where you're just sort of focused on what is happening and you're just processing constantly on the the uh, variables that are in play and how you come into them? Or do you want to just sort of relax and engage at the table more and feel more light and re- like a hanging out game, right. um, which can have those elements. But because I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying though. Like if you want to start with one of these, you kind of, you probably are as a designer going to prioritize. I want, you know, I, I sort of lean this way automatically um, or I really interested in, tr- in trying my hand at a, I don't know, a high strategy game that takes a lot of steps to build that engine and the interplay of those or something that just feels extremely immersive to uh, whoever's interested in that theme. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. That's an interesting breakdown of, of all these. Because the more I think about it, the more I think of like some of my favorite games like uh arkham horror lcg let's take that for example that definitely hits all of these marks the social fun element is not that it's lighthearted. there is i guess there's laughter <laughs> but it's more grim yeah. laughter but it's it's, co-op. But it's cooperative yeah. right but then it jumps heavily into uh strategy immersion and conflict not with players but with the game the game is high conflict um in that sense so that's it'd be interesting to take a like a set of games and break down how they rank on these metrics right and see what uh where they're prioritizing or if it's somewhat even keel or if they like because you know like arkham they started with we want this to be a cooperative game but then it seems like i'm assuming they started with that or that in mind i would almost think we started this as an immersive experience because it is well as immersive a game as there is uh, right that's true but i mean all the arkham games are i guess is like true um i would say that that's probably maybe that I, that's fair to say then because they probably knew that <laughs> right all right check when we talk all, about it, it's going to be immersive and i think they're all co-op games too that's true all, so <laughs> all right so they didn't even think about it they just said we're making a new arkham game, arkham like, game we so already know what this is going to be yep, automatically going to be those two <laughs> but um but yeah it is like uh uh let's see i'm trying to think of another one um that 
well, I don't know. That's a co-op that's really good. Aeon's End, I guess, is another good example, but that's very similar in immersion levels and conflict to Arkham. Um, Horrified tends to hit yeah. most of them. Uh, maybe a little light on the strategy. Um, I think it's a little yeah. heavier on the, the social fun. But the strategy elements do come in with the different puzzles for diff- each monster. Right, right. Um, and it is it is a lighter game in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I get what, because I kind of get what they're saying. Are, are you considering all of these in your game? And I think, I, and I think it's worth considering what levels you are. Like, because you can, yeah. with like immersion, immersion's an easy one to, it really does do a lot for a game, even abstract games, to just have something that you can connect with visibly in that game whether it's just a color palette i mean a color palette can go a long way to making the game more interactive i'm thinking of overbooked overbooked i love the design of that game i love the kickstarter version that it is not overdesigned because it has this very clear like it is about arranging these abstract people but they're very clearly color-coded and the white background of the game board with those colors is just very pleasing to interact with it's very nice to play even though it's very abstract so I'd say that does one of the better jobs uh, that I've played lately about immersion, but it's very abstract. True. And I I think more than anything, uh, rather than designing with each in mind, I think it's important to know what your game is at its core and how much of the other categories it contains. Sure, yeah. So... Like, even if just from a a marketing perspective, if you know that your game is a, say, let's go with Dice Hospital. Dice Hospital has almost no social interaction. The closest thing it has is who gets the ambulance. Um, It is multiplayer solitaire, um, but it has a lot of chance. Right. Like the the die rolling and the the what cards you draw for the specialists and and rooms and stuff. So uh, it does incorporate some of the social fun, but at its core, it's it's a strategy game. Uh, it is immersive for sure, uh, but like there's uh, almost no conflict. Like yeah. if you sit there and say, how does this appeal to a conflict player who likes deception and bluffing and persuasion and negotiation and fighting with, take that and fighting with other players, they'll get nothing out of this game. Sure. Yeah. But Very you know, as long as you know that, um, you, sh- you should know that when you're advertising it out, you should not be targeting people who really like um, I don't know, Dice Masters, which <laughs> is at its core just a conflict Straight game. Straight up conflict, yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important, rather than designing specifically for a category, I think it's important that you know who your core audience is, you know what motivates them, and um, and just focus on your game. Don't add an element just to appeal to one of these other categories, to up your appeal there. Um because I think it would take you take away from your core game, your core experience. Yeah. They shouldn't be getting in the way of each other. Right. They should be probably all there to a degree. Because even, I mean, even Dice Hospital has, like, conflict within the market. But like you said, it's barely there. But it is sort of there. Um, so you do feel like, that's especially with the ambulances. But I don't know it, if it's, like, hostile. Like, no, I'd, I'd agree with you. Yeah. If there is, it's the lightest possible conflict yeah, you can like imagine. On a scale of 1 to 10, like a half <laughs> yeah, conflict. It's, yeah, it's not even a whole number. Yeah. Um, but it but it definitely... But in a weird way, there is a tension to that game. But that's more about your uh, strategy playing out and then what's available in the market to continue it or, or to stop it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I you know, it's funny. I, th- I feel like you could even step back even farther and just consider these as almost just, like, one word... Um, things that all games should consider for sure to a degree and you know is there is it fun (laughs) at all it should be fun it should be fun at the base of it are are there strategic decisions do you feel like the game pulls you in and that would be immersion and then are there conflicts that you have to resolve to whatever degree there are I would agree with those things that they're at a broad level you should have those four things to some degree the tough part there is is this game fun right Um, yeah okay well there are people that really think that certain yeah. games are super fun that I do not. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And and vice versa. Like there's there's games I love that oh. other people are like. Is this foreshadowing? This is literally <laughs> the driest game I've ever played. Yeah. Um, 
like it, yeah yeah like like heavy euro games sure you know? yeah yeah uh there are people who are just like this is so most- so incredibly boring and i'm just <laughs> sitting here brain on fire going this is the most exciting thing i've literally <laughs> ever done in years um so yeah. so i think finding that fun i think you should know who it's fun for right well that goes back to like what are you designing what do you want to design um and as long as you're not as long as you're considering the engagement that someone can have with it because um I, I don't know. There's a, the finest moments I think in games are when they it can be very dry, but there's still space. I don't know how to describe it. But it's like there's space to kind of see or feel engaged with the game. Like just sort of unintentional humor in games is what I'm trying to get at. Like where there's games where oh, that's fine. Yeah. where they have things that are sort of designed in there, and it's I, I'm never sure if it's intentional or not. But it's not like a, a, a so fast paced and so intense that you can't step back and. And sort of acknowledge the the sometimes unintentional silliness of what you're doing, like Ragusa with the fish strategy. I thought that was hilarious that, right. that I could just sprint to the coasts and corner the fish market, even for a very serious game. But still, that was fun to me. That was a fun decision that was there to be right. had in a very um, and dense like, game. And overbooked. Uh, an unaccompanied minor right. just has to be surrounded by grown-ups. Yeah. Not their parents, just, <laughs> Anybody. Ha- just grown-ups. And, just, uh, yeah, that's hilarious. That just makes me laugh. Yeah, and couples that hate to be near each other. Right, which is so like, true. You're like, okay. <laughs> um, I think it would have been interesting, too, to see something like um, where where couples don't like to be next to unaccompanied minors right. or like oh, yeah, old be... people don't like to be next to the rugby team or something, <laughs> you know, something, something fun that, that would, would kind of bring that a little, a uh, little more out there. But, but even the stuff that they did have is, yeah. Was that intentionally funny or was, right. is that a game mechanism that you're like, okay, it works perfectly for the game. But if you step back and look at this, it's pretty silly, silly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I really like stuff like that in games as well. So because on the flip side of that, real quick, yeah, because you've I'm sure played games that are like way take themselves way too seriously. Like a lot of times it'll be it'll be a lot of immersive games or like I've, most of the games I've played like that have been like sci-fi games that have built their own world, and they're just way too serious about it. And it's fun to be serious about it, but then every once in a while, you know, you need some. It helps to break the tension or just have just something that you notice and that sort of like takes your attention for a second and it just adds to the depth of the game at least well, yeah, in my and, experience and you find weird stuff like that too where they're trying to adapt a mechanism to a real life thing sure and if you sometimes if you break down those things you're like i understand why this is a mechanism but step back for a second what is this really right, doing right, exactly this means that uh, yeah and and so you can kind of sometimes uh, even with super serious games find that one mechanism that you're like do you know what this really implies yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would this character be doing to do this yeah oh, like this doesn't this weird. is really hysterical that this is actually has to happen before this other thing happens or, yeah. or whatever so um yeah it's it i think that yeah i don't like games that take themselves too seriously but i don't like games that okay so <laughs> That's a whole nother game. Um, but before we get into to uh, to Jamaica, we uh, another game from Game Night that was played when you were not there uh, is a game that's called Annihilageddon. Okay, interesting. Um, not really. Is that about the River <laughs> Nile and its <laughs> impending doom and ending? So it is. Um, a game in the uh, like epic spell wizard battle wars of the epic spell wizards. You know that game. So it's, it's almost Knight? like no, it's almost like if uh, Captain Underpants were a game. Right? Oh, okay, <laughs> it's got these right. ridiculous things like Very you know spells silly. that are throw scrotums at people or whatever. Oh, Jesus, all right. And um, so there's a lot of toilet humor and, and everything, and it's it's a series of games. There's quite a few of these, um, but this one is Annihilation, and it's a it's a deck building game. Okay, and <laughs> I did not play it, but we started playing. Dice Hospital at the same time, uh, four-player Dice Hospital at the same time that the other group started playing this game. Um, we then proceeded to play three games of Fantasy Realms, and then we proceeded to just sort of stand around and watch them um, as it timed out over three hours. Oh, my God. Um, it's about three and a half hours, 
and the players that played it um, did not and and this this is a serious design flaw I feel like um, because a three hour game's fine three and a half hour game's fine six hour game's fine right um, I got a lot of feedback that they knew who was going to win this game about a half hour in they knew huh. that Jeff would win. Right. So everybody team the entire rest of the game was just trying to stop throw Jeff. everything yeah. and stop at Jeff, but they couldn't. <laughs> and there's just it it was and he did win. And they <sighs> knew he was gonna win. So for like three hours they just played knowing that Jeff was gonna win this game. <laughs> um it did not go over well for really Instead of Jeff like it? I can't imagine Jeff would like that experience um, either. He didn't really care much for it. Um it was not only is really his kind of yeah. thing. Um, a lot of take that. A lot of uh, it's uh, a lot of that sort of interactions. Very conflict based. Sure. Okay. Um, deck builder there. So if if, uh, if you've heard of this game or consider buying it, uh, just be slightly forewarned. <laughs> Watch some videos that first. It has yeah. It has not gone over real well and is is staggeringly long for what it is. Once again, that's another thing that I always feel like should be added to any of these lists of like game design things to consider is um, games that overstay their welcome. Like if they have something in them that allow that does not have a natural ending point or a clock that's built in to stop the game, you inevitably at some point will have some game play and probably more than you imagine that just will not end. And then it kills the game. Like I. I nothing makes me not want to play a game <laughs> again than like what well, kind of what we talked about at the top of the show of like just too long. Like it's so yeah. long, even if it was fun, it's just like, well, that's a commitment that I have to know that I'm getting into. And there are long games that I really like, but I know they're going to be long. It's not yeah. like I'm suddenly going to have a short game with that game. It's like, I know what I'm getting into here. Yeah, but, you sit down to Battlestar Galactica, you know yeah, it's a three hour game. It's an afternoon game. game yeah. But you know that you're, you know what you're getting into and you know it's fun. And yeah. it has built in steps and, it has a clock built in it. And it does. Yeah. And uh and so you you know that there's an end in sight. Yeah. Um even uh, even uh T I four. Yeah. Twilight Imperium sure. yep. four. Uh or one, two, or three for that matter. <laughs> um it has a an almost built in clock in that as soon as somebody takes like the it gets their what tenth point or something or seventh point. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember exactly. As soon as somebody gets X number of victory points, the game ends. Uh, but you can see how many victory points people have. So you kind of still can keep track of, okay, I have, I know about how much time I have to, you know, make my plans go through. And it's it's such a build-up game and yeah. a maneuvering game and trying to get into position to, you know, be able to strike and get these points or to grab that uh, objective or, you know, the next time that I can take that role I know that I can do X, Y, and Z. Um, so it does not outstay its welcome because you're yeah. constantly maneuvering towards a thing. Yeah. Um, and there are games that just seem like they are long for long sake. Right. Or just have things that you can do within the game that suddenly extends it. And you, like you, I'm sure you've had experience too. You're sitting there thing like, well, it's my turn. I could do this but I just know that's going to make the game longer and I just don't want to make the game yep. longer. So I am just going to do this, even yeah. though it might, it'd be a lot less valuable to me. I just don't want to keep yep, the game because, going. Because I know, and most of the time it's because I know I'm not going to win. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a moot point. And yeah. And, and that, that's a nothing, bad sign. If you're like, I'm sick of this to the point. I just want to be over. Nothing is more defeating in playing a game than just knowing halfway through or however long that it, no matter what you do, you're not going to win this game. Sure. You're just hanging on. That's fine in a 15-minute game. <laughs> right, right. That is not fine in a three-hour game. Yeah. It's it's just not. And play test, play test, play test, play test. And mm. play test with people who've never played before. Because if right. you and your three buddies design this game together, and you guys can play it in an hour and a half, right. and it does not outstay its welcome for you... That doesn't mean this is not a four-hour game. Right, right. It could still be a four-hour game <laughs> yeah. to two other people who don't know 
the ins and outs the way that you guys do that don't look at a card and immediately are like oh yeah i know exactly what that does whereas i'm sitting there reading you know the 80 words of text that are on there so small i can barely read them because i'm old (laughs) and uh and i don't really know how this fits into anything else is there another card that complements this but you know there is or there isn't and so uh you don't sit there and stop and think oh well you know what are the possibilities uh you know yeah and so you can play your own game really, really well. And and I'm sure you love it. Yeah. But word to designers, play test your game with people who are not you right. and who are not your <laughs> right. friends. Right. Have no stake in the game. Uh that we should do a, an episode on that actually, or a segment on that. I would I on uh way clever ways that games built have that built in timer. Because the more as we're talking about I'm trying to think of different ways they do, and there's a lot of variety in I mean, there's some standbys, obviously, but uh, yeah, there's like some really par- good variety. In yeah, it. like parade and stuff with with going through the deck, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot yeah, of, that's a, lot a common like go that. through the yeah. deck or run out of a resource or something like that. But some of them have just like, um, you know, other ways that they time it down. Galactica is yeah. great where it's Rounds, like distance. It's distance, you know, you can yeah. figure out the distance, and, the, and then there's a halfway point in that game too, where that something happens, and then, and so that'd be kind of cool to go into that and how how certain games t- approach that. Um, Okay, should we get Uh, into... I'm ready for Jamaica. All right, so this is... uh, I'll preface this little explanation on... on Background. (laughs) Background, so yeah. Jamaica's another game very much like Ragusa and Bill's experience where I was... uh, uh, Jamaica's been around forever. It makes a lot of lists. I'm sure you've heard of it, if not played it. And um, I I finally picked up the game after playing with a friend of mine, and I loved it. I really enjoyed the game. For me, personally, I think Jamaica is pretty close to a perfect game design for what it does. So I was very hyped up to bring this to game night and uh, <laughs> I got more and more depressed as the game went on because uh, Bill had the worst first turn possible <laughs> in this game and it just sullied the entire experience for him. Um, and I completely understand being frustrated from with that playthrough. Um, but uh, Jamaica replaying it again lately with more of a eye to uh, a new gamer uh, approaching it or someone who is maybe not a fan of it approaching it. I did feel a few things about like Jamaica is more finicky at the beginning. There's more little rules than I realized um, because <laughs> when we were setting up this game, um, there's always rules that I quite can't remember exactly what they are. And I have to consult the very annoyingly laid out rule book, which is a giant treasure map. So you have to unfold it, this huge newspaper sized thing every time you want to consult something. Yeah. So that's a big mark against it. I wish they would change that, but it looks cool, which is what another thing Jamaica is all about is looking really cool. So anyway, uh, last night or Tuesday when we had our game night, I was a little flustered because uh, of the day was, <laughs> way the day was going, and I wasn't sure if it was going to make it. So I was a little bummed out. I wanted to prep for this and have more time just to like settle out and caress the pieces or what. <laughs> I don't know what I expected to do, <laughs> but I just was flustered that I that I would show up and start playing. Um, but what I will say is um, all the the ups and downs of what happened during the playtime. I think that this was a very fair representation of what jamaica is so i'm really curious to see what your thoughts are because there were some things that were were fumbled on the first part of the game was a little bit slow um but i don't think that's not what the game intended and so i'm really excited to see what your thoughts are because there are uh there's some stumbling blocks in, in that can happen in jamaica and there's some uh um I don't know, rule clarifications that I always have to do. We played with a full complement of six people, which I think is the best way to play this game. Uh, we played with, I think the only two people that had played were Kirsten and myself, right? And me. Or you you would do, of course, too, yep. as well. Um, so, so we did play with uh, with half, so three, yeah, three, so three, three of us were familiar, yep. and three were totally unfamiliar with the game. Um, and... Uh, it did everything that I'd hoped it would do in that the racing was represented. The way people ended the race didn't represent how they placed on the podium. And, um, yeah, I think once we got into it, it was pretty fluid. So, all will, right, let's I jump will, into it. St- I will start with uh, agreeing with you on the, the, the instruction booklet. It was literally every, <laughs> time, so every time I wanted to figure out a rule, I felt like my grandma... 
um, navigating for like <laughs> my grandpa on a trip where she just whips out this map and she's unfolding it. Half the windshield. Yeah, it's gigantic. <laughs> and she's like trying to find like what city and where route they're are on. We? Yeah. And that's sort of what I felt like is it's on um, the other so, side, Gladys. Yeah. I would love to, to see uh, an actual like booklet rule book, but you know, that's super nitpicky. Um, let me let me go over my experience the first time uh, and why yeah, it was such a, good, a bad a draw. So the idea behind um, Jamaica is that you are pirates and you are uh, racing around the island of Jamaica from Port Royal all the way around back to Port Royal. So um, you have these cards that have like a day action and a night action on them. And then whoever the and the player is, and everybody starts out with the same hands of cards. Uh, well, not the same hands, but the same decks of cards. And you draw three. So you have three random cards. Each card has a night action and a day action. The play, starting player rolls a die, two, two uh, six-sided die, and assigns one number to the day action, one number to the night action. So say, uh, say the die roll is uh, three and five. Day action three, night action five. And your card has a day action of food and a night action of forward motion. So you'd get three food for your day action and five forward motion. You'd go forward on the map five. Now, most spots on the map will cost you food or cost you gold. Uh, Some are free and those spots have treasures on them. If you cannot pay for the food or gold you pay what you can and you go back a step if you can't pay for that you go back another step and another step and another step till you get to either a free spot or something you can afford so the first game that i played ever of this way back in the day uh i mean a few months ago yeah uh, (laughs) i i drew cards that um only let me uh move basically. And the way that the dice were arranged, I move, ended up moving forward, not being able to stay there, losing all my starting food, and then going back to the starting line and then reversing back a couple spots, not being able to afford that food and going back even further. Everyone else, and that was like literally my best card, uh, everyone else was like, going forward and fighting and doing all these things. And I'm literally a quarter of the way back, not even to the starting line yet. I'm so far back and I'm figuring out what kind of hell kind of racing game is this? <laughs> like, this is dumb. I'm not able to interact with anybody. I can't steal any stuff. I can't get any food because I don't have any cards to get food. And then I can't move forward because I can't afford to land on any spots that require food. What am I doing here? And, and uh, eventually I kind of got out of that rut and I ended up like maybe halfway around the island when the game ended, somebody made it back to Port Royal. So I felt really like if this can happen, does this happen all the time? Is there always one person that just gets totally just boned like this? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'd like to be not that guy next time. Um, but you did come in third. In the game. In, in the, that game? I mm-hmm. did? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. I do. Because <laughs> okay. you were so mad. I'm like, dude, so, you came in third. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, no, I, that's a good complaint, though, because that happened with this game as well, or a good uh, observation, because that happened with this game as well. And I think the biggest thing with new players is that movement back. I think every right. time they don't understand it until it happens. Because, and I don't know if Jamaica could explain that better, because I remember saying it to people, or say, I'll say it to people I teach it, I'm like, okay, so if you can't pay the thing you have to go back and if you can't pay that you keep moving back and people are like okay yeah i got it. that'll happen you know once and i'm sure i'll be able to pay it but then it always happens so i think you're right that yeah. it, it does always happen that someone misunderstands it or through a bad choice of cards the it one happens thing, to a degree the one thing i would change uh unless we were playing it wrong the one thing i would change is like you know you have a spot that's like one food and then it's the next spot costs two food and the next three and the next four and then it starts over again right so say you I don't have think it's sequential. Are you saying it's sequential? Well, no, but I, I'm saying as, varying, as an example. Ab- varying, yeah. yeah, there's varying. So say I have two food. Sure. And I land on a spot that requires four food. Um, I can't pay that, so I go back, mm-hmm. and maybe the, the one right before that costs two food. 
but I've lost my two food right. to the four. So now I can't pay the two, which moves me back to the one. I can't forward that either. And then maybe it moves me back to another two. And so now, like, I, I feel like if you could keep what you had, like say you had the, the two food, uh-huh. you can't afford four, but you move back, you can afford the two. So you're only moving back one spot. So it's not quite as punishing. Um, I disagree with that. I, I, almost I think that would like make that it would... more clear in a straight racing game. But that's at least me personally, why I like Jamaica is because it is all about this running into each other as grumpy pirates and shooting cannons at each other. It, it That mechanism forces you to, because part of the strategy that I think about half game for new players, you kind of get. Backtracking right. is part of the strategy. And you'll see people backtrack intentionally to like grab a treasure or to start a conflict or place them for their next turn potentially. Um, it is a big part of the strategy, but I think it's not clear how integral it is for a while in the game. And you can get you can get caught in a bad spot. But at least for me, I, I love that part of it because it forces these conflicts to happen because the game isn't about who finishes first. It's about how much gold you have. And so right. you can focus on, I'm just going to fight everybody and build up on cannons, and I could probably win that way. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. that's that's why I like it okay. personally. But I get what you're saying, that it would be a more straightforward process. Yeah, it would feel a little less punishing that way. Uh, and, and maybe that would not improve gameplay, uh, but it would just... Feels like it would feel less punishing. Well, and I think that's a good point about it too, because there is a sense because it's I think it's different than any other racing game that I've ever played, and it's different than other games in the way that you feel destroyed if you like what happened to Mike. Mike kept getting in these battles that he just was rolling terribly, or the other person was rolling really well, um, and he had like no cargo in his hold for for a while, and it feels like well, I'm definitely gonna lose. Because there's no no he totally did he can't, he yeah. did really well actually coming back from this, but the one of the things I like about that is that there is ways to come back through that. But I get how it feels very defeating yeah. until you realize oh this isn't the end of the world in this game, right. but it sure it's does very, feel very, bad. <laughs> it's very very swingy, which yeah. um, which I I appreciate uh, and and I think yeah, I, I agree with you there for I sure. I was more appreciative of the swinginess this time around because I was expecting a much lighter game. Right. Uh, okay, which fair. it is. And to me, when when a heavier game is punishing like that, heavy games purposely make it more difficult to even out. Right. Lighter games just have huge swings. Just in yeah. their, their random nature, they will always go up and down. You'll have one guy who's just king of the world one turn, and then all of a sudden, you know, the guy who just got destroyed the last three turns is now in first mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's light and coming into this expecting this lightness uh, I was able to appreciate those swings substantially more than I was the first time and I, I feel like if you understand those swings you don't feel defeated in right. this game yeah and that's that's where my mindset really helped this time I'm gonna go ahead and, and just come out with my opinion just All right, go uh, for it I really really enjoyed this play Oh, good. Jamaica. I'm so glad. Uh, very, very much so. I wasn't I, sure. I thought you were... I, I came could in see you second. mulling it over after the game, and I was like, oh, no, did it fail? Anyway, I, go ahead. I came in second. I lost by one point. Uh, I was the one the who crossed Port Royal first, so I, I did in the game. Um, And and it. I love that idea of you can win the race, but you don't win the game. Right. But I was so close to winning it. It was one point. Well, you you were the yeah you were the one that first crossed and yeah. ended it, and that I think you made the right strategic decision to do it at that time because we yeah. were starting to get clustered towards the end, and I think um, there were three of you that were pretty close in po- points roughly that as we could look, and and so I think strategically yeah. you did everything yeah right and, there and coming from like the not finish line to across the finish line that's five points because yeah, it's big, ten ten to fifteen so. So the idea I thought about, okay, well, maybe I can manipulate to get more gold, but then I have to factor in that minus five points. I'd rather just go ahead and do that because what if somebody else can get gold? Because right. when you cross the finish line, you don't get your evening action if you cross it in your daytime. So I knew that if I were going to take that chance, that everyone else, it would give everyone else the opportunity to go ahead and, and do that as well. And so, yeah, I felt like I made the right call. Um 
and and I I feel like it was not it's not a ridiculously long game where you get to the end and you're like man I put in all that effort right. for nothing <laughs> you saw these big swings you saw you know Mike just get brutalized for most of the game yeah uh, he was just completely empty there were times I had a full uh, all of my holds were full of gold and and food and I was on top of the world and then two two later I. After fighting with like three people in a turn, I was completely empty. Yeah. But everybody, it feels like, got knocked down to completely empty at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so I, I really did appreciate those, uh, those swings substantially more. I was able to kind of understand a lot more of the strategy of uh, when to play these cards. I didn't get the worst card draw to begin with, so I got to, before I started moving off the starting line, I got to build up a little bit of food and gold, which helped me kind of get to my next spots and and pay. Uh, I got lucky in a couple of of, uh, fights that gave me the food or the gold that I needed. I got some treasures, which all ended up being uh cursed but i got to get rid of them <laughs> yeah so uh, that was a really fun part of this game is the treasure curses distribution yeah anyway so i i really really liked it this time i feel like i got to see a lot of the things that i didn't like in the first game in a different light sure and i kind of saw all the things that i just felt were so punishing to me personally in the first game i felt like i got to take advantage of a little bit more in this one, kind of seeing less of look what's happening to me and more of, hey, it's happening to everybody. Yeah. And it's it's just part of the swinginess of this game. This is a light game. This is a very yeah. light game. But it has the appearance of a heavier game. Yeah, that's it just looks true. like a heavier game. The mechanisms, if you talk about them, it it feels like you're going to play a heavier game. But when you're actually playing it and in the experience, it is it is substantially lighter than you think. And uh, that's what got me the first time. But I, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely play again. Um, it Absolutely play again. I You've, you've changed my All mind. Right. Yes. Yes. We did it. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. And I think that's a great um, observation as well about that. Because one of the things I love about this game is despite the silly swinginess of it, I think it is amazingly well balanced, um, more deceptively so. Because, like you said, the bad things that happen in the game most likely are going to happen to everyone, not exactly to an equal degree, but pretty fairly equal. Like I, I'm pretty sure you're right that everyone had their holds cleared or almost cleared um, in, during the gameplay. And then the movements, of course, I've talked about this before, but I really think the deck mechanism and how you go through the deck in the way you recycle your deck is uh, genius and a great balancing mechanism as well. So I'm glad to hear it. I'm really glad that you liked it. And uh, I uh, now the next step is to try the crew expansion and get your thoughts on that. Because <laughs> yes. I, I, I have mixed actually thoughts on the crew expansion because I love the base game so much. In a way, I kind of feel like the crew expansion gets a w- in the way of it, but also it adds a lot more strategy options, which right. increases the maybe the depth of the game a little bit. Which isn't I, bad. Yeah, I've heard so. it, it takes a lot of what the powers that were in the treasure cards mm-hmm. turns the treasure cards just into pure treasure. Yeah. And makes uh, the crew kind of something you can... It's almost like going to a market and buying treasure cards from the first game. But they're, they're yeah. people and they take up a whole... Yeah, a lot so. of them have just point values. If they cross, if they get past that negative five line, they get points. Right, and then, like the king wants you to win, but if you don't win, yeah, you then he gives you negative points. points. Yeah, he, yeah, he takes a lot of points away. But he'll that. give you like what ten points or something. A lot, yeah, it's something, something huge. Like that. I think it's twelve. Yeah, if you do pass the finish line first. Yeah. So if you know that you're like full speed ahead, like, that would have been a good king. one for me to have. <laughs> I'd have won that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've only played with the crew a couple times, and I'd like to play it again because it's also the similar thing where you can, um, I believe, you can boot them off your ship. Excuse me. You can, um, yeah. And so it's if you're you out close, them in the ocean. pretty much you're a pirate. What do you care? Yeah. Walk the blank. <laughs> so it adds more to the silly fun, but with a lot more powers and strategy options available and point swings um, possible to directly choose from um, from the characters. So anyway, look, uh, maybe we'll get one of those played in the next few months or next few weeks. And uh, I'd love to talk about that as well to see how that breaks down. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this has been a great series. Yeah. Like, I, I wish there were more games that you <laughs> love that I hated and by 
vice versa because I'd like to change your mind on All some right, stuff. Yeah, we got to find some. Yeah. Or I, we got to bring in, we got to, well, we got to bring in other people too. I know uh, we got to force Shelly to play Deception because for some reason she doesn't like that game. And I just think she hasn't had a good experience with it. Man, I don't man. know why she doesn't. I, I've never had a bad experience with that game. Ever. I've, I've, the only bad I've had is that I, I played it with a, my family who really aren't gamers. And I played it after a very active game. And it just was like everyone was drinking a lot. And we slowed way down for Deception. And oh. no one was like ready to slow down. <laughs> and see, my games of Deception, like I encourage them, like everybody stand up, walk around the table, look look around, talk to each other, yeah. point out stuff, accuse people. So there's always lots of movement. It, it, it to me it is is a very active game when yeah. I because I, I encourage people get up, walk around, go look at what in front of everybody, make your case. Yeah, you know, and that's that's where stuff like the the witness and and the accomplice and stuff are are really key. Yeah. to kind of steering people to or from. And you got to watch, you know, is somebody really, really focusing on something that doesn't quite make sense? Yeah. Um, or, you know, it, it's because a lot of times there's like a couple different people that it could be. And if somebody's like, no, I really think it's this over here. You're like, okay, so if it's the accomplice, he's steering you away from this other guy. But if it's a witness, he's trying to focus your attention more over yeah. here. So, but you don't know, but, but it does kind of help you narrow stuff down. Totally. I totally agree. And, uh, totally and agree. the witness can't be too overt because if he gets guessed, then, uh, then, he's, I, then it's over. She has to play this game yes, again. Yes. Actually, I'm really excited. With is, all of us. Is there uh well, Kirsten's, I, Kirsten, does she, she doesn't have a game like she hates, but I know she's got preferences for sure in game styles. Is there one that you think that she just needs to play again? Cause you know, she would really like it. No, the, the games that she hates are games that I knew she would hate right. before I brought them out. <laughs> I just wanted to play them. Um, I don't think there's any that she just hasn't given a, Fair shake a chance too. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, I'm sure something else will come up. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. That's, this, is, def- this has been great. Definitely I, do this I've again. This definitely is a fun, enjoyed this. Yes. fun one. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And, uh, of course, send us your suggestions on um, games that are, you know, that have a, <laughs> either people love them or hate them. And we might take a look at them and see if we could introduce them to someone who, I don't know, maybe we'll find someone who really can't stand that game in our group. Um, I know uh, <laughs> Jeff would be actually a good one to do because he just hates cooperative Co-op games. games. He hates just, them. Jeff is very strategic. <laughs> It just you could just see his frustration of people getting in the way of the strategy uh, that he knows they should be doing, <laughs> yes. and they just won't do it. Conflict and, and strategic—that's Jeff. Yeah, he oh doesn't yeah. want anything he's, to he's do with social fun, and he doesn't want anything to do with aesthetics. <laughs> he doesn't care about your theme. Socializing is for when you're done playing the game. Yes. <laughs> so uh so anyway yeah just uh we'll have to go actually that's what we should do we should go through the game group and just ask people what is the game that you tried and you're just like this is garbage and then see if we can uh get them to play it again and bring them on the podcast to talk about it and shame them into loving it yes because <laughs> we may not be able to change everyone's mind that's sometimes true. i know i'm actually not sure we'll change shelly's mind. i really want to try but shelly's very <laughs> rigid in her opinion sometimes and so i'm very curious how she will defend hating a perfect game like deception i know so uh anyway all right well thank you guys for listening and yeah let us know your thoughts um this is a fun segment and um we're mulling over some really other fun fun ones to talk about so we'll, those will be coming up and of course if you have any suggestions on segments or things we should talk about or things we have talked about that you liked or didn't like we'd love to hear from you and you can get a hold of us in a multitude of ways yes what's the best what Prioritize. Um, we usually Instagram and Twitter are probably yeah, the at, best. At Roasted Games One on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can search for us on Facebook, Roasted Games. You can also go to ease-drop.com. Look for Roasted Games. There is a feedback page there, which we take very seriously. Um, and you can go to our website at uh, roasted.games or um, you could email us at roastedgamesco, as in Colorado, roastedgamesco at gmail.com. There you go. And also, once again, those written letters are always welcome, but you have to figure out how to get them to us. Yes. And so it's a puzzle in and of itself, but you will be well rewarded <laughs> well should you rewarded. ever find a way. <laughs> yes. First time we get a letter from somebody, oh there's God. a prize in it. Yeah. <laughs> For somebody. Big time. A yeah. gift card at least. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks again, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.